When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. Fast Break Podcast. Sterile Glassford, come right back at you here at Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source. The Lakerholics.com site, Lakerholics on Facebook, Lakers Fast Break, wherever you get your social media. And of course, our good friends at the Hoopheads Podcast Network. It is sincerely appreciated. Well, I promised my listeners out there that I would go ahead and do team previews of all the NBA teams. So not only are we doing a NBA preview, with my good friend Rafael Barlow from the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. That's going to show up for you audio listeners on Tuesday morning. So look out for that. But if you secret, if you've got YouTube and the Lakers Fast Break channel on there, you can check it out now. So that has all the season predictions of where we think everyone's going to fall in the conferences between me and Rafael. So you got to check that out. It was a great conversation. So Again, that's going to drop on Tuesday for all you audio listeners out there. But I promised separate team previews and scheduling issues aside. I, we had cancellations here on my part, on the guest part. So we did get through 10 of them. So we're going to knock out the rest of them today. And who better to go ahead in a pinch and save me from ultimate humiliation than two great guests indeed. They are the men behind Lakerholics.com. Well, of course, with Laker Tom, but Laker Tom, you know, all he knows is L-A-K-E-R-S. So he doesn't really care about any other team outside of that. No, so, he really cares about Brooklyn. Come on. Yeah, exactly. So They're the gold standard of NBA teams for all time. <laughs> but they are here indeed to go ahead and help us out today. It is Jamie Sweet and the Magic Man, Sean Grice. Guys, they are in they're NBA aficionados, so who better to get on a show like this than NBA fans like me? It is Jamie Sweet and Magic Man Sean Grice, like I said. Guys, great to have you here on the show today. Thanks, Joe. All right. Thank you very right. much, Gerald. Oh, you know it, my friends. You know it. Great to have you here. You guys are great commenters on the Lakerholics.com. And no, it's not just a troll, Laker Tom. 
even though you know he has always a lot to say at Lakerholics.com. Please check out his great articles there. I always love his posts on Twitter, which are always in bold. So you know that is something is on the way from him and his now affinity for Austin Reeves. But that's mm-hmm. another story for another day. You heard the one on the other day on Laker Tom at on Twitter, right? I, I did. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I mean, yes. we're, we're yeah. not going to get into Austin Reeves today. I have high hopes no, for him, man. No. This is about, it's about the rest of the NBA. But, he's going yeah. to play. We all know he's going to play 52 minutes a game. So Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and and, so. and he's, he's, double, he's double the shooter Tyler Hero is. Yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely, and yes. And he's two Alex Caruso's and one man. So Absolutely, yes. Yes, Hall of Fame career starting for Austin Reeves. <laughs> But I will say that we've got a lot of great teams to cover today. So we're going to start off with the Western Conference. And we're going to start off with a fan favorite out there. And I'm going to start off with you, Sean. Your thoughts. We're going to go try and go rapid fire as best we can on this. We're going to knock out as many as we can. We're going to start off with Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks with Jason Kidd transferring over from the world champion Lakers of 2020. He had that experience as being on the staff. We all thought he was going to stab Frank Vogel in the back at some point in time, or Frank Vogel would be fired and Jason Kidd would replace. But it didn't work out like that because mm-hmm. you know the Lakers won their title, and yet, even though last year, last season didn't work out the way it should for the Lakers, he was still brought over from the Lakers, took the place of Rick Carlisle because you saw that implosion within the confines of the Dallas Mavericks between the front office and the gambling aficionado who is all part of the decision making which nobody liked and the Luka Doncic Rick Carlisle feud and all that going on so that seems to be cleared up for now but your thoughts Sean on the Dallas Mavericks thanks for that great setup Gerald I mean yeah I mean Rick Carlisle is not a collaborative type of coach is he when no when as when, we have found out when Bob was deciding, you know, who should who should begin here, what rotations Rick was going to use. I mean, he was having none of it, and it just created a almost a it, it's almost like a usurping of power that uh, Carlisle was seeing in the making, and he could do nothing to stop it. And like you said, Gerald, by the time he realized what was going on, it things the implosion had already been set in motion. <laughs> and going forward now, these past two years have been really interesting. Luca's had some success in the playoffs, and he's had you know ultimate failure because he hasn't been able to just drag Dallas to the second round. And normally, if you're an NBA superstar and Normally, when we consider you a top five player, you should just drag your team to the at least the sixth seed in whatever conference you find yourself in. They were the fifth seed or fourth seed, if I'm not they, mistaken. They were. They were tied with the Lakers, but yes, they they had a better. Yeah. You know, it, it worked out wet way in their favor. But yeah. So let me I, ask. You, oh, go ahead, yeah, Sean. No, go ahead. Go, yeah, no, Gerald. I was just going. Well, say, I wanted I, to ask you this: with the team as it is currently constructed, they didn't make a whole lot of maneuvers this off season outside of signing Luca to that extension. Do you really see them going farther this year than they did last? Do you see them getting to that next round or more? I I think that in order for for Luca to really have people believe in him as a superstar, Gerald, they're going to have to 
get past the first round, I, I believe. They're, Do you they're... think they can? No. Not as okay. currently not, – not the way that the roster is suited. I just think the West is too stacked. And like you said, they didn't really – they didn't really add any, any outside team. of Reggie Bullock. Yeah, they didn't I mean, say, yeah. And and Bullock's a good player. He's a good he's a good three and D player. But right. is is Porzingis going to be as bad as he was last year? I don't think so. I think he the production is going to be there for him. But I just don't I don't see them having any any juice, sandpaper, some some rough and tumble guys to kind of show Luca how to lead through through those mental hurdles, Gerald. I mean, it, it took it took Kobe and Shaq a couple times before they really they they managed to to break through. I just I don't see it right now. I think Dallas has to make another move or two in order to to help Luca with with off the ball coverage. I mean, we saw it in the playoffs. He just ran out of gas. I mean his usage rate is extremely high. And in order for them to get further, I just think you need somebody who can take some of the pressure off and be that release valve. With Jamie, the issue of Porzingis is probably the most pressing thing for Dallas right now because they didn't make a lot of changes. They might during the course of the season, who knows, but Christoph Porzingis did have a down year last year, especially on the defensive end where he was pretty much one of the worst defenders out there, which is kind of disappointing because of the fact that he can be a, a decent defender. And obviously at 7-3, he can go ahead and cover the back end, or at least he did in, in previous times. Your thoughts on Porzingis, is he the key to Dallas this season? Not necessarily Luka. To me, it's more like Porzingis. I would say it would be Porzingis and then the team defense in a close one-two for their success. If they can improve in any meaningful fashion on as a team on the defensive end, and I think they kind of are trying to create that environment by bringing back like Willie Cauley-Stein, Dwight Powell, uh, you know, not guys who are like, at least they're, they're, they are, you know, as Sean said, sandpaper guys. They've got some grit. They're not going to take pressure off of Luca, but they're going to, you know, if they can form some sort of cohesive defensive identity, I think you'll see some moving up in the standings and the potential for them to move past the first round. Um, but yeah, if, if Porzingis has another kind of middling year, and this is mostly, I mean, at this point, it's, this is why they brought in Jason Kidd, right? To figure out how to help unlock that tandem. Um, you know, he just came from a dominant ball handler kind of off ball scoring threat environment with LeBron and AD. Uh, can he bring some of that to Dallas and find a way to, you know, I mean, I, I feel like Carlisle basically stashed Porzingis on the three point line. I was like, well, if you get the ball, shoot it. And that was how they used him. But at the end, now, whether that was Carlisle, whether that was Luca whether that was, you know, Porzingis maybe not feeling healthy and wanting to get down low uh, or a little bit of all three, which is probably the likely case. You know, I don't know. But if Porzingis has another, like, well, I showed up year, Dallas won't get past the first round of the playoffs. They might have a higher seed. They might be like a three, four seed based on how tough the West is and how things break. But I, if, if he can't be a 2010 threat, most nights uh and as sean said uh, at least the defender he was in new york at least the defender he was in new york um you can't just be like oh i wasn't I, you know i watched him he was there i was there but 
you know, he and he was really more of a it felt like as much of a spectator as a as a performer last season uh especially in the playoffs so in a lot of ways i think the most important player or the most important entity the dallas mavericks brought in was jason kidd because if he can't unlock that tandem then one of them's got to go and that one of them is going to be uh porzingis and I mean, what do you get for, uh, you know, at that point, you're going to have seen him not play well with one of the best passers in the game. So what do you say? Like, oh, we're going to build a team around Kristaps Porzingis. Nobody's going to do that. That 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 ship sailed. That ship sailed. So, you know, Dallas is kind of in a pinch. They, they've, I think Porzingis is under contract for like two more seasons, right? Uh, something like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know. They got to they got to figure out a way to make this work because whoever you trade, it's you you can't you know you can't look at the Porzingis contract and go well at least it's expiring you know we'll be able to rebuild our team next season when have some money to do it with. You've got to want to find somebody who wants to build a team around Kristaps Porzingis. I don't know what team that is. Uh, I'm not sure it exists. I mean maybe Orlando I guess because they're just kind of a dumpster fire, but. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a tough slog for Dallas to get out of the first round and lose unless Luca takes a meteoric leap or like dedicated his offseason to like conditioning to a degree we have yet to see. Um, like so that he comes into the season LeBron like, you know, with like that level of fitness, which we've never seen. So I have a hard time believing that'll happen. Or can Porzingis be that release valve that I think Sean is right, that they need some other, somebody has to be able to score 20 points per game and like get some rebounds other than Luca. Agreed. Agreed. This is Raphael from NBA draft And you are listening to the Lakers fast break. Check out what's been going on with the pop culture Cosmo show and the PCC multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was the last Skywalker. I know condolences to me. Wow, man. I I just had talked about that and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Now, without further ado, we go to Sacramento and the Sacramento Kings. And, well, I don't think we'll be able to avoid any Luke Walton jokes here, but <laughs> I want to ask you this, Sean. I'll go right over to you. Once again, we're doing our NBA team previews. We're finishing them all off right here at the Lakers Fast Break. In Sacramento, I think that is a very good possibility that a playoff, well, right now, that they could find that playoff drought eradicated with a good performance this year. I think it's within the realm of possibility. I'm not 100% convinced on that. You'll have to find out on my NBA season preview where exactly I rank the Sacramento Kings. But when it concerns the Sacramento Kings, I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility. Sean, how are you thinking, especially those back that backcourt they've got right now? They've got four viable guards in that rotation and someone that Laker Tom is very much in love with in Davion Mitchell. I want to hear your thoughts on Sacramento's prospects this season. Yeah, you know, the, again, Gerald, great setup. That was that was really good. I, I think you notice I get Laker Tom in there as well. I just I know he's going to listen to us when when he's out on his walk. So I just want to make sure yeah. he feels loved. No, I, I mean, one of one of the two teams is going to take a leap this year, only because it's it's supposed it it's bound to happen. It's either going to be right. Sacramento or Minnesota. 
So one of those teams in the West is going to do a lot better than what people expect. And if I had to choose between the two, I'm with you, Joe. I think it's I think it's the Kings. Um, I, I I do like their backcourt, although I'm a I really like the the idea of uh, Hallie and um, Fox more so than Mitchell. I think Mitchell would be the third guy. On in that rotation, yeah, but you also got they're gonna have to play a lot of three guard rotations because they've also yeah. got Buddy, Buddy Hill that they didn't get to trade that they didn't nope. trade that they didn't get rid of. So, they also I believe, either yeah, I and, they also and, with Harrison Barnes and him, they've also got some very tradable, tradable assets as well. Absolutely, they're very heavy in the backcourt. I believe they also still have Terrence Davis. So, mm-hmm. yep, and you yes. saw how he did against the Lakers, right. yeah, he did well. so. I mean, you've got five really good players in the backcourt there, and you're right, Gerald. I think they can build enough of rotation in the front court to be competitive in most games. I, I could see them winning anywhere from as as most as maybe forty three to forty five, uh, on their really high end, and I could see them getting in the play in with you know forty to forty two wins. So. Uh, yeah, you could be right on that. You never know. I, I had my thoughts on them. Jamie, well, the one thing, though, when it comes to the defense of the Sacramento Kings, because statistically last year, and this is something that could be changing year by year by year, they statistically had the worst NBA defense of all time, which I'm sure you know Luke Walton wants to go ahead and put on his resume. But I, I want to ask you this, Jamie. That's something, obviously, that has to be the focus of, do you think they can have uh, enough defense? I'm not talking about a stellar defense. I'm not talking about even a top 10 defense. Can they get at least into the low 20s or the, the high teens to where they can utilize all those offensive skills that they already have? With their, with their roster currently assembled. Uh, yeah, I think, I think low 20s is a reasonable goal, but I think it's a tougher goal than it sounds like because they've got, I mean, I'm looking at this roster and there's not the guy on this team that you look to is like, who's the, who's the, who's the, who's the jaded vet who has been all the way, you know, to in the battle to the playoffs and like gotten to the NBA finals or won an NBA finals. Even I wonder if Luke is just telling Davion Mitchell, can you play all five <laughs> positions? That's what I think he's saying. And you could, you know what? I mean, Sean was right. They have a four guy rotation, but if you had Harkless in there, you could really say that it's kind of a five guy route. I mean, Mark Harkless is only six, seven. He's not a big guy. He's like a, a stocky, sturdy guy, but he's not yeah, like well, Harkless is good defender too. So maybe mm-hmm. that'll help. But that's the thing, right? You can't play all five of those guards. You're only going to, at best, get three on the court at the same time, along with two 6'10", 6'12", 7 7-footer guys, right? So who's the odd two guards out? And all of them are going to want to play. And a lot of them are high draft picks. And Buddy Heald is getting paid. So And, you, and like if you trade Barnes, you have to at least bring in a couple of guys of size. You can't go even smaller. So the the Kings have to find... The Kings kind of have to hope the Wizards are bad early so that they can trade some of their smaller guys for some of the Wizards' yeah. slightly larger guys or something along those lines. They they need some size and they need some defense. I don't really see uh, an elite like shot-blocking center. I mean, Tristan Thompson might have something left in the tank or something to prove. Uh, he is only 30. It seems like he's been in the league a lot longer, I guess, but... Um, you know, if he's healthy, he could maybe be he. I guess you could say Tristan Thompson is that guy who's been to the NBA Finals, you know, been in the been in the trenches all the way through. I don't know that he's like a 
locker room bonus neutral negative type of guy. I've never heard one way or the other. I don't know if if Tristan Thompson is that guy who can um, help like bring some of these young guys into a mentality of a, a winning mentality, a defensive mentality. Next team on our list is Minnesota, which you talked about, Magic Man. You talked about Sacramento and, or Minnesota being one of the surprise teams in the Western Conference. And for me, again, it's the same issue. A lot of nice offense, athleticism. They've got a lot of things to look forward to in Minnesota. One of the things that they don't right now is defense. It's where this could be a team that could actually be worse on the defensive end than Sacramento right now because Cat. Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards. That's they're just it's it's not a great defensive team. It's not something that you're gonna roll out there and you're gonna be able to stop, but they can score. That's something they're gonna be able to do. I want to hear your thoughts on Minnesota. Their team, after all the front office fiasco that they had just a short time ago, looks to be on still a little bit better path, but how far north do you think it will go yeah you know what gerald i think the best they could hope for is possibly being in the plan i i just i don't see them being competitive enough defensively to be a top six seed at all um some shocking things would have to happen in order for that to happen and they would have to get lucky themselves with um, with being relatively healthy and how often does a NBA team go through an 82 game season fully healthy? I, I don't think I've ever heard of one. So, no. so I think their, I think their best bet is to possibly be an eight, uh, like a ninth or 10th seed in the plan or the worst is man, they're back in the lottery and, it was like that game of zones where where Kevin Love is is um, whining to Steph Curry about the playoffs aren't a gift you get each year, and you're stuck in Minnesota praying for ping pong balls for the rest of your career. Oh man, that's that's way to bring hard. it back. Way to bring it back. Yeah, it Jamie, was... I want to ask you this: uh, yeah. when it comes to Minnesota, your thoughts on them? I mean, this is a team on the come. This is a team on the up. You know, when they say it, as far as here in Vegas at the craps table, I want to hear your thoughts that I think that this is a team that's, that has some growth in it and you will find some this year. How much? I'm not that sure. I'm not that sure either. I mean, I, this is one of those teams where you kind of have to really start from the top of the organization. One of those mystery teams that Magic Man was talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're not. This is a this this organization has been a dumpster fire pretty much since Kevin Garnett left. They've never seemingly recovered from that trade. Uh, they've just been terrible ever since. I don't expect Carl Anthony Towns to stay a Minnesota Timberwolf for the duration of the season. Uh, I think mm. at some point he will be traded. Mm. This team has to s- decide what it wants to do. Uh, they, and let's be honest, they've gone through a lot of weird organizational issues. You know, Flip Sa- their coach, the, their, you know, Flip Saunders passed his coaching uh, mantle onto his son, who then got fired. Uh, and then, you know, the owner doesn't seem to communicate with the star player. The star player has been through, you know, a year of hell. Uh, and seems like 
you know, Carl Anthony Towns just reminds me of one of those guys that just needs a change of scenery at this point. Um, I don't see him and De- I mean, maybe he and D'Angelo Russell, you know, come out of the gates on fire and they both stay healthy for 70, 74 games this season. And, you know, they take it, they make a 10 game win leap, right? They win 10 more games than they won last year, which is still not the playoffs, but would be a significant improvement. That's not going to keep Carl Anthony Towns in a positive state of mind. I mean, that this, this guy, if you watched his press conference at the beginning of the season, he already looks done. <laughs> he already looks done with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like everything about his body language, all of the words that are coming out of him are none of them are like supportive or positive or even like, you know, mo- mo- engaged. He's been kind of through a-, a lot. So it really would probably be in their best interest to, if they do start hot to, to consider moving some of the pieces that are, that are movable and, go into full rebuild mode from the, from scratch that, or they need to, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. They need to hire Mike D'Antoni to unlock the offense because they're not going to play. This is a team that's not going to play a lot of defense. It's just not, uh, I don't, there's nobody on the roster. Patrick Beverly, uh, will play some defense and piss everybody off. So, you know, you, you, you got to bring in like one, somebody who's just going to unlock the best scoring aspects of this team. If you want to have any kind of shot at like even challenging for a playoff spot, but honestly, I don't see anything on this roster other than Carl Anthony towns. Um, and like D'Angelo Russell, when he's healthy and engaged and that is going to push this team forward, they have such a mismatch. It's just such a weird collection of toys they have on this roster. I, I, I don't see. I just don't see a strategy, you know, I don't see a strategy. So I, I won't be surprised if cat demands a mid season trade. Uh, if they're like, if they start, you know, two and nine or, you know, something like that. Next team on the list is another team that could be on the rise. I think with, they had a, I think they had a really good draft. I don't know if it's going to show out that way, but I really think they had a good draft along with someone who I think is a very good prospect for the NBA rookie of the year. And that's Houston the Houston Rockets. So Sean, I wanted to ask you this in Houston. It's not obviously right now about wins and losses. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there are going to be one of those teams at the bottom of the NBA. That's pretty much been a given, but with what's going on there, I still see a brighter future for them because I think that's what everybody's looking right now. They see the fact that they, they think that they had a good NBA draft. They think with the four, individuals that they bring in plus all the young talent that they have there that yes maybe it's not a now but maybe it's a not too bad in the distant future coming very soon yeah gerald i i thought they did have a good draft i i do like jalen green i think his game translates well to the nba i think so many people are in love with alperin shingun uh, i mm-hmm. think they're going to be really mm-hmm. pleasantly surprised by him I think I think them trading for Daniel Tice was a great move too. Mm-hmm. That's another mm-hmm. big body that that de- won't get in the way of Jalen Green and Chris, and he'll be able to run pick and rolls with Christian Wood effectively, I believe. And you know, I I got to be honest, Cheryl. I think Christian Wood might have a great season and and be uh, an all star on a really bad team. I think. I think he has the potential to do that. I think the last. I think he'll have the numbers, but if he's on a really bad team, they won't give him the spot. Well, you, you know something. If if the if the um, fans and the players made Ben Simmons an All Star last season, That's and right. Christian Wood puts up the numbers he does, 
I would argue Wood belongs on the on the NBA All Star team. He's not afraid to tip shoot. Um, you don't have to preach it to me. Remember, I was first on that Christian Wood bandwagon before anybody that was absolutely, out there. Absolutely, when I had true. that mega trade that I will always remind Laker Tom of. But then, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's ult- ultimately, Gerald, I think the dime, the diamond in the rough that Houston really needs to see is Kevin Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. He yeah. had he had a, an incredible comeback with uh, Houston. He came from a really bad situation in Cleveland. He did s- suffer a car accident that, thank God, it didn't take his life. But it was it was a bad situation. He got out of there, and I'm just I'm just not sure if he's a point guard in the NBA or not. I know that's kind of where Houston is going to slot him. Playing with Jalen Green and Christian Wood, but he has much more of a scoring mentality. Yeah, he, he does. Fifty points in one game last year. Right. So, like you said, Gerald, it's really going to be a developing year for Houston. We're going to see if how they can figure out to unlock those three to their maximum potential and figure out what they need to put around them. Jamie, your thoughts on the Houston Rockets? Do you think that, like like many people out there, that this is a team that's not for now but for later? This is a team for later. If Christian Wood can, he's had a hard time staying healthy. Um, so it kind of comes down to, can he stay on the floor? And then also what kind of synergy does he have with this vast number of guards? This is another team that's like so guard heavy. I don't see how some of these guys are going to see time. Like you're not going to not play Eric Gordon, right? So Eric Gordon's going to be playing for, you know, 20 or 25 minutes a game. So right away that's going to affect, I mean, Eric Gordon probably is the number one guy you try to trade. You try to trade him to a contender. Problem you know, is he still has two plus years beyond year on his contract. And you know, talk about a guy who has a hard time staying on the floor. So yeah. no, I, I, that's, that's, but the most tradable contract they have is the most hardest probably contract for them to trade. Cause he's also kind of getting up there in years for a guard and he's but never been be great on the Lakers. No, mm-hmm. geez, Louise, no, 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 no. Three pointer no, no, no. who can play defense? Does he play defense? Yeah, he, he does. did. It's decent. It's decent. Does he play? I, all right, I'll say this: he plays better defense than Wayne Ellington does. So if oh, we could, yeah. if we could trade Wayne Ellington for Eric Gordon, I think I'd be. I'm that. zipping my lip on that one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, point being, uh, I, you know, I, 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 I kind of see this team. So, you know, we talk about what identity, you know, Minnesota is in theory built around Carl Anthony Towns, although they don't talk to their superstar about things. So that's always funny to me. And then this is a team that's obviously built around, you know, kind of a gritty post presence, but, you know, focused on guard forward scoring, you know, a more modern approach to basketball. So uh, we're talking about two bottom feeding polar opposite teams. And it'll be interesting to see which of these two teams does better in the standings this season and how that's related to health. Of course, let's just assume that both teams are relatively healthy, which team is going to, you know, punch past 20, maybe even 30 games. um, And which team is only going to win 20, 15, you know, a handful of games. So that's, uh, that's, that's, that's sort of the, only interesting thing about these guys. I don't see Houston as, you know, challenging even for a playing spot. If they do, that means one of these guys, uh, that means either John Wall has recaptured some of his old glory <laughs> and is, you know, dishing and, and, and scoring the way he was uh, a few years ago in Washington, which is entirely possible. You know, he's had kind of a year of to, to play on the court and rehab a little bit on the court and a whole off season of relative health, I think. Um, so he could be poised for a, a resurgence, but again, then you try to package that to like a contending team and, you know, 
depending on how it all shakes out in Houston, uh, in Philly, you know, you start looking at teams like Philly and, and Minnesota where there's, you know, disgruntled high contract players under contract for a while that you can just swap. You can be like, look, let's, let's just see how this works. We, one of us is going to be stuck with these guys for a couple more seasons. Let's just see if a change of scenery does one of these guys. Well, well, we'll see what happens there. But again, this is a team I think that is it's a couple years away, but still a lot of uh, things to look forward to with them. Next up on the list is Phoenix. Phoenix Suns, who made it all the way to the NBA Finals. Chris Paul signed a contract extension that's going to take him till he's well, even older than he is now. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, but there's still a lot to look forward to in Phoenix. Uh, they do have a nice roster. They did add some sprinkles around the edges they just extended mikhail bridges today to a four-year 90 million dollar deal still have got the deandre ayton extension that they have to worry or think about because he wants a full max and they're you know going back and forth on that it's still as of now there's a deadline and i know that they haven't met it yet so sean i want to ask you on phoenix with all that said and done not a lot of people are picking them to go back to the finals not a lot of people are pick, picking them to go make it as far as they once did or being as successful as they once did, once did, although they still think of them as a very strong team in the Western Conference. Absolutely, Gerald. I, I, I really do think they're good enough to get to the second round. I think they have a, enough of a, you know, they have the mix of scorers, shooters, defenders. They have grit. They have sandpaper. Um, Monty Williams, I would say, is a top 10 coach in the NBA. Their front office is stable for the first time that we can say since when, since I don't know when. I can't remember, like 2005, six, that, 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 it's been that long since a front office had this kind of stability. So I think they're, I think they have a good enough roster to get to the second round. I think they could even get to a concert conference finals, depending on the way things shake out. I still don't think they're good enough to get back to the finals. Um, I don't think their win total is going to be as high as it was last year, because let's be honest, even last year, people were still wondering, well, are they this good? Are they this talented? And I think, a lot of people just let their foot off the gas when they were playing them and, and didn't realize how effective they were as a unit. And I don't think they're going to be sneaking up on people this year, but I, I still see them as at least the top six seed in the West, barring injury. What about you, Jamie, when it comes to the Phoenix Suns? I mean, do you see last season as a fluke, like a lot of people do? Although, again, I think they are a very solid team. I thought they took advantage of the situation. Sure. Do I think the Lakers would have beaten them with a healthy team? They were leading them and they weren't a healthy team. Right. And they should have won that, that series. But I think they're a very competitive team, but they have to be pretty much healthy. And that's going to be a tough thing to ask two seasons in a row. Yeah, especially from Chris Paul, who has a tendency to take, you know, uh, to get banged up pretty easily. Uh, and at, uh, and I'm trying to find a stage at 36, <laughs> it's definitely, uh, but and you know, he's, gone, he's on contract for two, three more years. Yeah, he's basically going to finish. I can't have a hard time. I mean, unless he demands a trade, I guess, but I have a hard time not seeing his finishing, not see him finishing his career as a son at this point. Um, 
You know, I, I don't think last season was as fluky as a lot of people thought it was. The same way I didn't think Miami's season two seasons ago was as fluky as I thought it was. And people be like, oh, look how terrible Miami was last year. They had the same problem we had. Short turnaround, tons of injuries, tons of COVID issues. Like, they never played. They, they had the same issue we had. The whole team barely played together. And when it, it just never came together the way it did the season before. And that was that. So. I'm kind of expecting a similar bounce back season from Miami as I am from us. In terms of the Suns, I think that they added really good pieces. Um, they added JaVale McGee so that like if if DeAndre Ayton's, you know, step forward ends up being a plateau or, you know, even he takes a little step back, they've got like some kind of solid defensive presence in the center that they can rely on on defense and you can finish lobs and things like that. He's certainly not as dy- dynamic a center as DeAndre Ayton is. Um, but they've got, you know, that's, he's a great placeholder center for a good offensive system around him. Um, I, you know, I'm a huge Devin Booker fan. I think Devin Booker's probably still got another level to hit, um, as a player. Uh, I don't know if that's a level he can hit with Chris Paul on the team though, is sort of where I'm at because Chris Paul is, is a very ball dominant point guard. Um, and you know, you look at some of the great dynamic scores, they had point guards who were complementary to their scoring and their ability to dominate the ball. Kobe with Derek Fisher, Michael Jordan with uh, little Stevie Kerr and, and John Paxson, um, so on and so forth, things of that nature. You know, Chris Paul is a little more of a Magic Johnson in that he is the one with the ball in his hands. He is the one orchestrating everything. And, you know, Devin, then Devin Booker gets to do a little something on the side. So that extension for that long to Chris Paul was kind of curious to me. I'm assuming that Devin Booker was in on that conversation. Uh, one thing you can say outside of the DeAndre Aiden extension is that uh, Robert Sarver is starting to ditch his uh, reputation as an owner who pinches pennies. He certainly, you know, is spending some money this season uh, on a team that did well. And so I, I think that's the, the best you can do as an owner. You can be like, well, this bunch of guys did pretty well. They all want to stay. I'm not sure what the holdup with DeAndre Ayton is uh, other than maybe he's insisting on a max and I don't know what their counter position is. Um, That to me is to be honest, a little mystifying because he was such a huge part of why they did so well last season in the playoffs. Um, And you, and it's, it's even more, Oh, sorry, Jamie. I was going to say his, his transformation last year was even more remarkable to me because Think about his situation in Arizona with Sean Miller. It, mm-hmm. it, it was almost not like Sean Miller was so focused on the FBI breathing down his neck that they they really didn't take the time to to truly develop Aiden as a as right. uh, to have secondary and, and tertiary scoring um, uh, ability. And I'm sorry to say that, but I mean, you know, Sean, it is what it is with Sean Miller in Arizona, right. but I, I just think I'm just perplexed as you about why Aiton isn't being re-upped right now. It's, it's astounding to me. Um, I mean, they brought everybody else back. Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Payne, uh, you know, it, it, it extended, extended uh, CP3. You know, they. It looks to me as if they're almost because they brought in McGee, they brought in uh, Kaminsky. Although I think wasn't he a waiver wire pickup last year? He was on the team last year, right? Kaminsky? Yeah, I think he was. So, but they kept him around. Um, you know, it's it's it, and you know, obviously Crowder is a, a excellent piece for them to have. And you know, they've still got uh, 
Sarich is a good player. Sarich is a good player too. That's I, I always can't. I, I was struggling with how to pronounce. He's I coming to say off Sa- a knee injury, so he's not going to be there and ready for the uh, start right, of the right, season. Right. Uh, and they brought in he Alfred the, Payton, I believe. Right. And wasn't he? Yeah. Or was and that was so they've got they've really like got a stable team, and I, you know, and that's that's key. Um, the Aiton situation is going to hang over the season, uh, and it's it's mystifying to me that they would want to inflict that on this roster because it really is built for the playoffs. And it's not like like let's say you max out DeAndre Aiton and it's not working out, you can trade him. He had a good enough playoffs. He's a good enough player. He's a number one draft pick. You will find somebody who's willing to say we could use this guy, uh, and you know take whoever Carl Anthony Towns or whatever, right? Like you know or Buddy Heald and two guards from from sacramento you know you will find somebody to take that deal so from all points of view that aspect of this offseason is the only part of me that's a little bit of a head scratcher so other than that i i I look at i I see them as a solid four three four seed or higher if things break really well their way books coming off a great olympics you know nba finals appearance and took a big step forward last season i expect them to take another big step forward too and maybe they're looking at chris paul as like Hey, dude, every year you're going to get the ball 10% less, right? Like 10% more to book. You do a little bit less and hit some threes like Steve, late, late, late career Steve Nash. I don't think that's in Chris Paul's DNA, but, you know, I didn't think it was in Steve Nash's DNA until he was on the Lakers and sitting in the corner hitting spot-up threes off a of Kobe drive. So it all depends on what, what the buy-in is from everybody. And that team seems to be pretty bought into itself, which is a huge part of any team's success in any sport. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Once again, it's the Lakers Fast Break. I'm here with the Lakerholics, Jamie Sweet and Sean Grice, a.k.a. Magic Man. Next up on the list is a team that surprised many individuals last year, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies. And the Memphis Grizzlies with John Morant, who's a budding superstar. His time could be now. The only thing is, it was kind of weird, the mixed signals I think the team sent out in regards to his off-season transactions. And instead of really 100% getting behind and building a foundation with Jaw, or around Jaw, I should say, I was kind of perplexed by what they did. Sean, do you still think, even with all the changes that were made in Memphis around Jaw, that Jaw could go ahead and achieve that same kind of success for Memphis this season? Yes and no, Gerald. Yes, because of John Morant, I mean, he is such he like he is a top three competitive player in the NBA. He mm-hmm. wants it. He wants the ball. He wants to take the shot. He wants to win the game. He wants to get the steal. He wants to get this. Like you can't teach that. 
And so I think he's just going to will Memphis to a lot of games that they're going to win that they probably shouldn't just because of off his compete level. I'm with you. I I wasn't a fan of the moves. I thought, you know, is this team taking one step backwards right now so they can take two step forwards in the future? Zaire is a is a great draft pick, but he's not ready to go right now. And uh, I, I don't think. Do you, Gerald? No, no. I know uh, Raphael is still not exactly in love with the Zaire pick, and I know that he's a development and process. We'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, he is, I, and, a, you know, I wasn't. Away. I wasn't a huge fan of the Valanciunas for Adams move. I thought JV, neither was I. Mm-mm. I thought JV and Jaw had really great chemistry, and I thought that, you know, uh, as far as I know, JV is like beloved in the locker room. He's a he's a great locker room guy. He's easy to get along with. He usually doesn't mess up on the court in the low post. He's he's a force down there. He loves coming up and picked. I mean, he's willing to take threes at this point. So it was a perplexing move to me. Adams is a good pickup, but I'm I'm still confused about what they were trying to accomplish there. I, I see them as top end, top end right now. I think they're a playing team and I think low end, they're maybe a mid lottery pick. They're not going to be really bad. Ja won't let that happen. Mm-hmm. Another one of the teams in the Western Conference that did much better than the Memphis Grizzlies last season was the Utah Jazz, which finished up number one, best record overall in the Western Conference, had the best point differential, and they were so good from the three-point area as far as making the most threes with a great percentage. Jamie, I'm going to start with you when it comes to Utah. Things that you see from them, do you see them achieving that same kind of success? They did make some additions around the fringes with Rudy Gay that really may help them shore up some things that they couldn't do last season. But I know that there's still questions about as far as the playoffs are concerned, because if you want to keep Rudy Gobert out there, you know, you saw the five out situation that they could not really defend that well against the Clippers and the Clippers really took them to town. But your thoughts on the Utah Jazz prospects this season, because they are still thought of, as a top team and even a finals team by some individuals. Yeah. I think that the jazz are going to have to, the, the, the playoff defense of the jazz is the, the last, it's the last little piece of the puzzle that's missing for them. One quick thing on Memphis, just not to derail this, but um, oh, no, you're good. I think they, that I completely agree with Sean that the Valanciunas for Adams trade was com- com- uh, completely perplexing, but also I think, that in their minds they were bringing in more defense and pro and, but, and they had seen like how well uh, Adams and Russell Westbrook ran the pick and roll in OKC. And we're thinking like, well, maybe we can recreate that with job. But I think that Valanciunas can do the same thing with pick and pops and, you know, like slide overs and hitting, hitting open threes or finishing lo- like he can score from all over the court. And I, he's one of those guys who's been traded like three times and I'm always kind of mystified by it. Cause he's a really good center. Uh, he was a key. He, he, he's got all sorts of skills and he's always kind of undervalued. I feel like on the teams that he's on, but in, to go back to Utah um, and t- Sean's right. Uh, Ja is one of the top three competitive has the co- top three competitive fire uh, burning within him players in the NBA. He's, he's a, a I'm, I'm a huge John Morant fan as well. But yeah. If Utah can figure out how to def- defend 
floor spreads in the playoffs with or without Gobert on the floor, they have a great chance of winning the first uh, NBA finals in team history. If they can't, they might have to look at moving on from Gobert. Uh, And again, we're talking about a guy who's under contract for, I think like three more seasons, maybe four. I think it's four. Four. Yeah, he's got the, the, he's there for a while. So again, this there's there's a lot of like players on teams, and when you look at some of these rosters, like you know, I was looking at Memphis's roster. There's not a guy over seven foot. Uh, they're young and small, but they feel like they're better equipped to defend like a team like the Clippers than Utah is, which has got like what you would consider to be a traditional NBA lineup with a big you know shot blocking center in the middle. Uh, but in the playoffs, teams like punish your weaknesses and Gobert is for as good as he is in the paint, as great as he is at altering and blocking shots at the rim, he is terrible on the perimeter uh, and susceptible to, you know, pick and roll destruction. And that's, I, I, I feel like they're kind of at a rubber meets the road moment as a franchise. Um, you know, Gobert has kind of two strikes on him, right? He has the, I can't defend pick and rolls on, on the perimeter in the playoffs. I got into it with Donovan Mitchell over COVID and other things. And, you know, what's, what's, what's the thing that's going to keep him here other than Quinn Snyder really likes him, I guess. He's one of the guys who I could see again, you know, if Carl Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns to me is one of the bigger not talked about. And it's just because Minnesota is terrible, but like what he decides to do this season, if anything, is kind of to me one of the more interesting or compelling plot lines of this season that isn't Laker related. Just and I wouldn't have said that except for then when I watched his pre his presser for uh, the season, he just almost was like making a trade demand. Then it was I felt like right there on the like I don't want to play here anymore. This has been bad here. I don't enjoy it and I want to leave. It was everything that's so i could see him i could see him them trying to like move him to utah and bring in you know a defensive player to minnesota i don't know you know i i don't see i don't see the jazz the way they currently play as being an nba finals team uh i think they have the talent to do it i think that quinn snyder has the offensive chops to do it but i mean like you said it's going to come down to three-point defense and in the playoffs you know all you need is a guy who can is a little bit faster than Gobert or can jump a little bit higher than he can close out like Paul George, uh, like lots of guys in the, like Jay Crowder, like lots of guys in the NBA and they're going to abuse him. They're going to abuse him, you know, and there won't be anything that the jazz can do except take Gobert off the floor. And then they're going to drive into the paint and score on you then. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what you do. And the problem again with Gobert is that once you get into that situation, is he going to be able to score enough to offset those point losses on the other end? And he, he can't. So that's a big problem, I think, for Utah. But other than that, they're solid. They've got a great backcourt. They've got a great bench. They've got solid pieces to play on both sides of the uh, floor and on the forward side of things. The fact that they have so much invested in Gobert is, is, is really the only kind of puzzling thing at this point. And maybe a you know a reason to give the Phoenix organization kudos for being hesitant to invest so much in Aiton, right? Like, look at other max centers. You know, the center position is like is kind of vulnerable in the NBA right now. It's not, it doesn't have a great role in the NBA right now. You can kind of get a center at the veteran minimum who can do most of the things your superstar takes up 
a huge chunk of your cap resources can do. And that's a that's an interesting choice that you have to make at this point in the in this point in the NBA. Well, we'll see what happens with them if they can be the still the number one team of the Western Conference. We'll see how that pans itself out. But we have more Western Conference teams to go ahead and cover before we head on to the Eastern Conference. Two more. And we'll save the worst for last. But we'll hit with New Orleans now, a team that made you know, a lot of moves. I don't know if you consider it lateral, but I think a lot of pressure is on GM David Griffin, or you know, president of basketball operations, David Griffin, because he's made a lot of changes within the team since he started there, and none of them have really panned out. The team has not found success. I know that Zion, it was announced at training camp that he had magically gotten an injury during the course of the summer, which nobody knew about, and he had right. surgery on it. Right. And they said he was going to be, David Griffin said he was going to be ready for the season, though. So don't worry about it. But unfortunately, as we're heading close to the season, we found out he's not even walking yet. I know that Raphael and I and other individuals out there have seen the pictures that he... He looks like he's a little bit uh, uh, he's, he's, he's carrying a little bit more weight than he was even doing last year. So it's going to take him a little even more time to get back into shape, which, again, with his body type is always going to be an issue because of the fact that he could be more susceptible to injuries. I really feel for the kid because he's really so talented. And that team, if he gets a chance to play a full 82 game season, is competitive with anybody out there. But, Sean, your thoughts on the prospects for New Orleans? Despite all that, and despite the late arrival of Zion sometime maybe November or even December, now it's looking, is there still a chance that New Orleans can even get into a playoff scenario type thing? I don't think so, Gerald. As as I was doing uh, research, I was thinking what the podfather would say in this situation, and I, I you know, landmines came to mind. I think there are just so many landmines with this franchise and all Griff needs to do is step on one of them and it's over. They could get off to a horrendous start here, Gerald. They, they, they uh, you know, it, it could be, you know, a one in 10, a yeah. two and 12 start for them. And the team has talent. That's the yeah. problem. I, yeah, that, that's what they are. So on the list of confusing teams, they were number two for me because you're right. They do have talent. The, that, when I look at the roster, it's a play. They have enough talent to get to the playoffs. Yeah. That is a playoff roster. But will it translate? I don't think so. And that's part of the problem because they have all this talent, young talent. They've got Ingram, Ball. You got uh, Walker. You've got. Yeah. Uh, Kira Lewis Jr., who I really like. Jackson You've got all Hayes is a great Yeah, player. exactly. Devontae Graham, who you just brought over. Mm-hmm. A lot of these these great individuals that are there, Jonas Valanciunas. A lot of talent, Jamie, but in the end, does it all mesh and does it all fit? It didn't last year. Will, will it this year? I mean, you know, I'm a huge Brandon Ingram and I'm a huge Josh Hart fan because of their time with the Lakers. So it pains me to say this, but no, I don't. I, I think that they are going to end up probably a lottery team this year. I I don't see this team. This you know this team is it's so weird because David Griffin had such success building around LeBron 
you would think like, oh, well, you know, here's another guy kind of like LeBron. Like he's, you know, a big brute guy who you can't stop from getting into the paint. And when he gets into the paint, you can't stop him from scoring. And he likes to pass the ball. I mean, maybe not to the degree that LeBron or the skill or ability that LeBron has, but, you know, he's not like, give me the ball and it's mine. He's like a team guy. So you would think that there would be some sort of ability to replicate that success. But it almost looks as if they've built the team for Zion not to play, right? You've got like Valanchunas, who's their starting center, I'm assuming, right? So that means at most Zion at 6'7 and 284, which is probably being generous, right? He's probably a little higher than 284, which when you brought up the point of, is he going to be, you know, foot injuries already, right? Like this is weight distribution. This is the body is not able to, I mean, you know, if he was like a working at, you know, Walmart or CVS or whatever, you wouldn't worry about the body weight distribution, but he's trying to like, or, you know, complete complex spin moves with the basketball and then leap into the air and dunk. So it's a whole different journey that his body and the, the amount of weight that he carries and event all the players that I know, he's the only one that I've consistently feel like needs to drop 10 pounds, no matter when I see him, even like midway through like a playing season. I'm like, that guy would really be another step forward. If you could figure out a way to lose like five, 10 more pounds. I would like, say just, more personally, I think, but it, I'm, I think I'm trying, trying to be realistic, right? I'm trying to but be realistic. For his like, long-term health, I think, all it, it, yeah. especially yeah. for his so, knees, ankles, and feet. So, like, so when Chuck came into the league, he was around 285. And but Chuck's taller was, than six seven, isn't he? Isn't he like six, no? Seven? He was Chuck's six smaller. four. Yeah, oh, Chuck six. was smaller. They always called but him six six, but he was six four. Six four. Yeah, he was. Right, right. But but when when he fought when they fight when he finally hashed out with Moses Malone and he listened to what Moses told him, he said, "You're fat and you're lazy," and he lost about like Gerald said, he lost about thirty five pounds. He got oh. to about two fifty, and he became a monster. That, I think if Zion could do right. that, I, I think if Zion went down to two fifty, there'd be no stopping him. If he could I do that, he him. he would be uh, exactly, and that's that's part of his problem, right? And that's going to be part of the Pelicans' problem is they're kind of over a barrel. Like they want to keep Zion, so they don't want to tell him you're fat and you're lazy, right? Right, right. <laughs> they, would... they don't want to. They don't want to be like the Blue Jays telling Vlad Guerrero, "You're fat and you're lazy." You landmine number one is don't piss off Zion. Yeah. So uh, landmine number two is. What you know with Stan Van Gundy, you had like at least a coach that had been to the end. Now they've got like a, a rookie coach. This whole organization just seemed like that's landmine number two, right? Rookie coach who, what is he going to tell Zion, right? You know, like, oh, hey, by the way, I've, I've never done this before. So can you do all these things I really think are going to be great? You know, NBA players sometimes respond well to that, most often they don't. And then Brandon Ingram seems to really like playing in New Orleans. So I feel like he's like, Yo, man, whatever. <laughs> so, this in a way, this season comes down to how good can Brandon Ingram be, and can he do it consistently? If well, he's an All Star again, and maybe Valanciunas plays like he did in Toronto a few years back, where he was yeah. like a consistent twenty ten threat, I could see this team making uh, believers out of doubters and like com- competing at least for a playing spot. And then if Zion gets healthy and plays specifically power forward and finds a way to fit in amongst Ingram, Valanciunas, and whoever else takes a step up on this team, which after that, you're kind of, I mean, Devontae Graham is obviously the name that jumps out. You would like to think Josh Hart could, but he, you know, he plays so hard and with such a ferocity that he consistently is hurt. Um, Especially because of how, like the way he plays defense, which you like, but then, you know, thumb injury, ankle injury, knee injury, you know, eventually those things add up. So, 
I think this team is going to have a hard time competing for a uh, a playoff spot. But if Ingram and Valanciunas can find a way to make some magic together to the tune of they both are looking the best that they've ever looked, or in Valanciunas's case, at least as good as he looked in Toronto, they could surprise some people. But the West is so loaded. It's going to be so hard. There's already some of the teams we've talked about who are at least look on paper as good as them. It's all going to come down to Zion. And if, if he's already got one foot out the door and he's leaning towards New York because it's the market that he wants to play in, uh, you know, I just don't see it happening. Last team on the list for the Western Conference. Uh, OKC. OKC and their 500 draft picks that they have over the course of the next five years. I should say. <laughs> Just a little bit less, but not by much. They've got a lot of youth there, and they've got they're they're a place that teams can always send their overpaid players left to die, seemingly. But regards to that, there is a great player in Shea Gilgis Alexander that's there that eventually they need to build around. Yeah, uh, I do love Pokashevsky. I'm going to say right now, I'm a big big Pokashevsky fan. I'm really hoping he'll. He'll succeed, even though he does need to go to a Las Vegas buffet now and then. Sean, I wanted to ask you because he's <laughs> still he's still I think under two hundred pounds, and he's a yeah. They have him listed at one ninety. They have him listed. Yeah, at that's that's tough. But Sean, I want to ask you this: Visit the Rio World has Buffet. No con- See, Laker Tom would like him because he has no conscience. Absolutely <laughs> not. But Sean. I wanted to go ahead and hear your thoughts. I mean, obviously they're 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 really vying hard for a lottery pick, a high lottery pick, a number one pick. Their their odds are they're going to try hard to outdo Orlando for who loses the most games. But your thoughts on them? I think they're in a better spot right now than Orlando. I think they've got obviously with a ton of picks that they have, but I think with the kind of young players that they have. I think the future is just a little bit brighter than what it is in in Orlando. I I think you're right, Gerald. I think that's true. Hopefully this year, Presty doesn't try and shake the tree of the gods. The Clippers and the Thunder both played with the fire of the gods during that last game. That was ridiculous. Um, the Clippers, we know what happened with them, and the Thunder didn't end up with the lottery pick that they wanted. So I think that was the basketball gods letting them know where, where that stood. Uh, But Josh Giddy is a good player. He's going to, I'm not sure if he's the right guy you want to put beside Shea Gilgis Alexander though. I'm, I, I still, I have to see that to believe it. Um, It it looks to me like Giddy wants to, be a ball dominant point guard in the NBA. Well, he certainly looks good this so far mm-hmm. in the, in the yeah. exhibition season. So one thing that the Thunder really have going for them is they do have a top five shot creator under twenty five. I mean, it's it's Shea Gilgis Alexander, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, and Ben Simmons. Those are the four guys who can create for others like. And LeBron, we, we have to include LeBron in that. But he's not under 25. But he's not under 25. No. He but might those... think he is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be an interesting season. But I'm just wondering, Gerald, do you think maybe Shea Gilgis-Alexander will come down with 
a bad case of plantar fasciitis. Like he well, you know, if he gets season. hangnail, they're going to sit him out for five games. Sam Presti <laughs> will personally sit him out for five games. Yeah, that's going to be a scenario. If he has any type of injury, they're going to hold him out longer. We know that. The only thing I say, Jamie Sweet, as I turn over to you, is with Oklahoma, they don't want to. They, they want to sit down with SGA. Hopefully, they've had this conversation on where they want to go, what they're going to do with him. And hopefully that SGA is cool with it because at some point in time, if this team gets anywhere near a semblance of good or even decent, you've got a ton of draft picks still by that time you can trade out for quality players. And at some point in time, you're going to have to send the message to SGA that we're going to build around you. Yeah, I mean, this, this, I don't, listen, this is a team with six rookies. Um, well, I don't say now, and I think SGA well, right, understands but, that now. I just think at some point in time, SGA is going to say, you know what, you need to start going I mean, in a he, different direction. This is only his third year in the, season, in, the, in the NBA, so I could see him being a little bit patient. Um, I don't know that that's going to translate into the tune of like two, three years down the line. Most professional athletes aren't wired that way to be like, Oh, three years from now, we're going to be pretty good. Awesome. Let me work really hard for you. You know, it just doesn't work like that in the NBA. They want to win. Will he be patient for, let's say, half the season? Maybe. Will he be patient for, you know, two years out? I have a hard time buying that. And that's where I go back to. There's six rookies on the team. Uh, OKC is a small market team. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to go over the cap. They're not going to, they're not going to bring in a bunch of contracts this season to try and win now. That's not the plan, obviously. This is the only other team that I, 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 every year, like Sam Presti seems to get like 72 draft picks and I keep starting, I'm starting to think like, what are you going to do with these? Like what? It's like a gun collector. Like I have 272 guns at my house. Well, that's cool. You're only ever going to be able to shoot at most two at one time. So like, what are the other 274? You know what I mean? Like, so I don't understand. I don't, I don't see the, I don't see what the process is. Sorry, Sean. So, So here's, here's the idea, Jamie. And he, he's kind of adopted this from, from Maury in Houston. The idea is that NBA draft picks are different. Like in the major league, there are 60 rounds, right? right? So Maury wrote a piece once where he described the baseball draft as like, it's like, it's like fishing for salmon in the ocean. There's so many of them that sure. you're just, you're eventually going to catch two or three that, that are just above and beyond. So the same idea Presti has, if he acquires more draft picks and gets more scratch tickets, it's more <laughs> likely he's eventually going to hit on one. That That's the only reason you can come up with is mathematically he thinks there's a probability that he's going to get a, a generational superstar because he did it before. He thinks he can do it again. And why why wouldn't anybody doubt him? Sure, that's valid. I don't know what this team is trying to build toward. I mean, they got their, their two oldest players are <laughs> this. And I saw this and I had to read it twice, but Derek favors, who's been in the league for 11 years. Uh, and incredibly the moose, Mike Muscala <laughs> is the other veteran president, right. They're both the veteran presences on this team, right. Favors and, and Muscala. So, uh, you know, there's, there's no, I don't know. Like, I guess that like, the, I, the way I, I look at OKC at this point is they're like the union station where they're looking for this player or that player to come in and, Hey, here, take a draft pick. And, and we'll, that's how they're going to function for the next few seasons. Cause I can't see them using all of these picks on this team. It just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to me how you could 
what what are you building at that point? You're just building like a, a you're you're basically building a triple A team, right? If to bring the baseball analysis well, back into he, it, like he, you're building a right, team like a, a G League team in the NBA. <laughs> right. He's also he's also betting that Miami or the Clippers have a really bad season down the road here, and he's probably right, right about that too because he owns their draft picks for right. the next ten years. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I don't see that happening in either case, though. Paul, they're all both too good. So they're going to get, you know, they're all going to be like, you know, eight, seven, ten, maybe five. You know, if the balls bounce exactly your way one season, oh, look, you got a two or a three. I don't know. I, I, I this Whenever teams get into this mode, I feel like they get like tunnel vision on a strategy. And it m- m- we'll see. I mean, I don't know if Sam Presti will be along, around long enough to use all of these draft picks. <laughs> Who knows, indeed, but there's going to have to do something with them at some point. But SGA, you better be patient now because it's going to be a tough road ahead. But yeah. we'll see what happens with OKC. Once again, it's the Lakers Fast Break. It's our NBA team previews. We're finishing them all off on this episode, what we didn't cover already. If you have any questions for us, at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter, Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com, and, of course, Lakerholics.com for the greatest information that you can find on anything Lakers. Be part of the conversation today at lakerholics.com we're going to go ahead and do rapid fire on the eastern conference starting with lakers east and that is the washington wizards <laughs> i kid when i say that but it's you shouldn't really. it's true I, no. it's, it's true it's true it's it's where lakers who aren't lakers go to play yes yes sean i wanted to ask you this starting with the West, washington wizards it is bradley beal playing with a lot of veterans a lot of parts that are that could be great on other teams as complimentary players. Do you think that's going to add up to a season where they can make the playoffs once again? I think it's possible, Gerald. I, I watched, uh, I've watched them a little bit this preseason. Spencer Dinwiddie looks like he's, he's mm-hmm. back to full form, which is fantastic for them. It just seems like the injury bug just hits this team at the wrong place at the wrong time. And they never, they never seem to be able to get over that. I'm, I'm not sure if that's going to happen this year, but I think they're, they're at the bottom of a playing position. I think they're going to challenge for you know eight, nine, ten, eleven. I, I think they'll be in that range. It's possible they could sneak up on people and become a six seed, but I think that's very unlikely. There needs to be a few injuries in the Eastern Conference for that to happen and for them to remain relatively healthy. So I think they're definitely a playing team. I would slot them as a playing team right now, not necessarily a playoff team. Jamie, your thoughts on the Washington Wizards? I'm about the same. I mean, this is a team built to play small ball. Um, there's not a guy over six uh, eleven on the roster or over six ten rather on the roster. You know, incredibly, KCP is probably going to back up uh, Dinwiddie or Beal, uh, rather. Um, so they've got a deep bench kind of when it comes to their guards. And, you know, I, I could see Kuzma having a breakout season. So I I could see them actually slipping into the eighth seed if uh, Charlotte or, uh, you know, one of those other kind of teams that had a big season last year that sort of surprised, takes a step back. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of this, like Sean hit it on the head. If this team can stay healthy and like build something throughout the season, I think they will be more of a, of a playoff threat than they are on paper now, because I look at this team and say like, well, Bryant's always hurt. Beal's always good to miss 20 games. 
you know, and on down the line, you know, I don't, I forget how many games uh, Hachimura last lost last year, but the, every, all the key guys are the ones that seem to get like the nagging or lingering injuries that like keep them out for like a third or more of the season. And then you, what do you, it's hard to build a playoff uh, roster around those kind of injuries. So I think Sean hit it on the head. If this team can stay healthy, I think they will be a bigger threat than maybe they're considered to be right now. Next team on the list is going to be a team that is, I don't know, just a lot of mismatched parts that I think is going to end up being in a season that unfortunately people will soon forget. And that's the Cleveland Cavaliers mm-hmm. team that has not fully recovered from the depart- second departure of LeBron James. Your thoughts, Magic Man, on the Cleveland Cavs. I do like Evan Mobley. I do not know how he's going to fit with this team because ultimately I think he's playing out of position and eventually he's going to be moved or has to be moved, I think, into the center position. But right now he might even be playing a power forward, even maybe a small forward at times if they put Larry Markin into there along with Jared Allen. And, of course, they've got the sex land backcourt, which it just does not seem to be meshing 100%. So I want to hear your thoughts on the prospect for Cleveland. They don't have much in the way of wings. Uh, I just this team is just does not look like it's going to be very interesting outside of the Kevin Love memes, which you know are going to happen at some point where he's going to get so frustrated once again. Yeah, Gerald. Again, a, a great lead in. Thank you. It, it, it's almost like they remind me of like a disjointed, warped kind of like Ralph. I compared Stett- them to the Island of Misfit Toys. Mm-hmm. Yes, that that's a perfect description of them. There, it's just this weird grouping of different parts, and it, they seem very, very reluctant to want to um, both pay Colin Sexton and form a relationship with him long term. I'm not sure what's going on there. Personally, I, I'm with you, Gerald. I'd rather keep Dar- Darius Garland. I think he's the better of the two players. I think you need to find a player in the backcourt who fits with him better. I don't Sexton and Garland are just that's just a train wreck of a defensive unit that's not gonna get better. Colin Sexton has been a negative defender and getting worse and worse by the year it seems. Uh, I'm with you. I, I think eventually Mobley needs to be moved to center. That's his natural position. I, I think they'd be lucky to win 15 games this year. Oh man, that's a that's a pretty struggling season. Jamie, do you concur with Magic Man on that? Yeah, I mean, 15, 20, somewhere in there. I don't see much. I mean, look, Kevin Love's going to come up with – he's going to play 20 games probably, right? He's just biding his time until his contract runs out and he can retire and pick up an analyst uh, job somewhere, and that'll be that. You know, I, I think he's – mentally, I think he's kind of done with the NBA. Um, they offered him a contract extension, and, like, you know, any smart person, he took millions of dollars and said, yes, please, um, and – I will never begrudge any any professional athlete for those moments because when those moments come, you have to go with it. I think that Ricky Rubio is going to end up forcing his way into the starting lineup incredibly. That just on defense alone, you're going to. I think Sean's right. The defense, the perimeter defense of this team is. I I just don't see it. And they traded away some of their better defenders from the seasons prior, and you know Nance and. uh, I just see this team as being 
uh, I don't. Yeah, the team of the, the the land of mismatched toys is an apt is an apt descriptor of this team because it's 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 tall and small, right? Like you said, there's not a lot of great wings. Um, so you either have six four under guys or six eleven guys, <laughs> or guys who just aren't going to play, right? Or they're not they're not really NBA. You're not you know they'll play like rotational minutes because they're on the team, but you're not looking at that guy going. Mm, there's the difference maker. So I yeah I would say fifteen to twenty games for this team. Well, it doesn't look like a very good season for them, but there are more teams that we're going to cover on today's program. And one of those teams is a team in question because it's not sure we're going to get out of it because last year was kind of a dumpster fire with Nate Bjorkren as coach. Hmm. So they have this team at Indiana Pacers with a lot of complimentary pieces. They've got some, some size, some skill, some talent. And then now you bring in Rick Carlisle. Is Rick Carlisle the difference in Indiana, Magic Man? Do you think they really got a chance to go ahead and go farther than where they did last year? I don't think so, Gerald. But I will say this. Last season, watching Greg Foster almost fight Goga on the Indiana bench was was pretty funny. Uh, former Laker Greg Foster. Yep. I don't think they have what it takes this year. I I. I, you know, Karis LeVert is coming off a very, and good on him and, and well wishes to Karis for the good health, but he's also coming off uh, a stress fracture in his back. And I know they, there were people were saying, oh, well, he's going to make a full recovery off that. And well, perhaps, but that's a load injury and it's a serious load injury and they need to take their time with that. Um, You know, it's just, I don't see Sabonis and Miles Turner forming an effective unit under Carlisle. And I think that'll come pretty clearly pretty soon within the first, I'd say, 25, 30 games. He's going to come to the conclusion that they can't play together either. I I see them as a play-in team. I just don't think they're good enough to make the playoffs. So I'd slot them in as a seventh, eighth, ninth seed. And I think that's as far as they go. Well, there you go from there. I think the team, like you said, has got its issues. I think still they need to break up that, that front court of, you know, when you got a centers of miles Turner and obviously DeMontis Sabonis, I think that's been a experiment that people have long questioned that I think has to end at some point. I think it's, probably better if one of those individuals gets traded, whoever you stick with, that's great. But one of those individuals I think should be, you know, they just, they don't mesh 100% well. They never have. And I don't think they ever will, but we'll see what happens in Indiana, Philadelphia, one of the funnest places to be this off season with the Ben Simmons saga and all the words going back and forth, Joel Embiid saying this, Joel, Doc Rivers saying that and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, you know, Ben Simmons is out. Then he stays out. Then Ben Simmons shows up one night in Philadelphia. And we go from there. With all that said, and we don't even know which Ben Simmons we're going to get. Is he going to actually play in games? Is he going to actually sandbag? You know, the whole nine yards. We don't know exactly where we're going to get with Ben Simmons. Sean, I ask you this, or actually, Jamie, I'll start with you. When it comes to Philadelphia, what are you going to get? And it will still lead to a playoff team. I mean, this was the number one team in the Eastern Conference last year. 
Yeah, I think they're still a playoff team. You know, Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid are good enough that they can they can bring this team across the the you know up to this eight seven eight seed, right? Especially, I mean, if they're healthy, uh, Embiid often has nagging injuries throughout the season because he's a big guy, big frame, not the most dedicated to his conditioning. It seems like, but maybe that changed this off season. Uh, for me, Philadelphia is the John Stewart beam of him like eating popcorn like this, uh, <laughs> like like you just can't tear your eyes away from this. Like what's going to happen next? Like you know the Simmons saga dominated the summer uh, for the NBA is now about to take control of the narrative for the beginning of the regular season. Will he play? Won't he play? What is it going to look like? Is he Did, even vaccinated? He play? No, he cleared health and safety protocols. He's not. I think he's like fully vaccinated. Like they're just getting him ramped up into shape, but you also have to realize that he had to report to the team and clear health and safety protocols in order to be traded. He couldn't have been traded. I don't think without going through those steps. So did he just like check the boxes that he needed to check in order to like enable a trade to happen? We'll find out, I guess on opening day uh, for the Sixers, but don't see this team unless unless there's like a Kobe like kumbaya moment between Simmons and Embiid uh, the way there was between Kobe and the Laker organization I just don't see them getting into the NBA finals Um, you need chemistry to get that far you need trust and that is what's lacking on this team and Doc Rivers is not the coach to orchestrate that kind of te- t- thing. Uh, you know, for all of his Ubuntu back in Boston, um, it took three uh, all-stars at the peak of their powers to win one NBA finals. Um, so, I mean, that's what Doc Rivers has based a lot of his success since then on is that one season in Boston uh, that he's never even come close to replicating. So, you know, they don't have Kevin Garnett on this team. They don't have Ray Allen on this team. They don't have Paul Pierce on this team. And they don't have veterans who are willing to support those three and, and buy into what those three need. So will Embiid and, and Harris be enough to, and, you know, the, the solid cast of vets they have around them be enough to get into the playoffs? 100%. I think they'll be, you know, six, seven, eight seed without in, involved Ben Simmons. And if they can trade Ben Simmons, what they which they should do as soon as humanly possible, I mean, I've said a, a month or so ago that it's when does Daryl Morey break blink? Like, when does he realize I'm not going to get the package that I really, 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 really want that I think I deserve because I'm such a great GM. When does he decide to just pull the trigger and for what? Because that is the only question left. Um, I don't see this lasting the entire season or if it does, it's going to be ugly. Sean, any last thoughts on Philadelphia? Uh, no, Gerald, uh, Jane, Jamie hit the nail on the head. I, I really don't have anything to add. But they uh, are going to be fun to watch. For all yeah, no, no, that, that they are, they are going to be fun to watch. And I just, if there is any, it, like a hint, like it, even somebody throws a cherry bomb into, into the locker room. Joel Embiid is going to find Andre Drummond wherever he is. <laughs> And that will like that will said, be the last be fun, we've heard of Andre Drummond in the NBA. I'm certain of it. If there's any kind of implosion with this team, Andre Drummond will retire. You, uh, that is a guarantee. <laughs> I guarantee it. Oh, there you go. There's a most right the there worst for buyout for a player ever. On whatever Amazing. money he gave up was too much. You should have just cashed those checks, bro. Unbelievable, unbelievable. But it still will be very interesting to see. I love the 
fact that there could be a, a great response from the Philly faithful. With this, the, the day that Ben Simmons gets out there on the court, I'm, I'm cannot he's not, wait he's until not, that. that he's not. It's court. not going to happen. He's not going right. to show his face. I mean, it will be for another team. Well, and then they'll boo him, and he'll be like, yeah. "Sweet, now I'm going to beat you. Now I'm going to beat you. I'm going to drop. I'm going to shoot three pointers. I'm going to shoot twenty three pointers on you guys tonight, and I'm going to hit them all and break the NBA record. They'll never show." Well, a team record. with a lot less drama is the Detroit Pistons, who got the number one pick, Cade Cunningham. And I think the question is, how far can this team go in the future with Cade at the helm? Is Cade going to be the guy as a, a true number one pick that's going to be thought of in a good context, or is it going to be one of those number one picks that's not very well thought of once all is said and done? I think the process starts now. I think Cade can be a very good one personally, but we'll see what happens. Sean, your thoughts on the Detroit Pistons? I know that they're still years away from competing at a higher level, but I mean, the process starts with Cade Cunningham. Absolutely, Gerald. It does start with Cade Cunningham. Um, I'm like you. I'm I'm really high on him. I think there's – I really don't think he has a ceiling. I, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a low floor for him. I think at worst I, I could see him be, being like a Brandon Ingram type in the NBA. Um, I think that that's his floor. I think he's got the potential to be the alpha dog in the NBA. It just depends on how bad he wants it, right? And as we know with the Pistons organization, they haven't done well drafting over the last 10 or 12 years. It's either you're over-evaluating a player and you take him too early, or you're too low on a player and he drops to you, but you don't develop him properly. Um, You've had Stan Van Gundy let a, a lot of great players walk out the door. See, for me, Detroit has to figure out what Killian Hayes is. I mean, do does anybody really know? Because if you're going to put him beside Cade Cunningham, this is a guy who, who needs to be at, at least a number two. Yeah. At the very least. Do you think he's a number two in the NBA, Gerald? Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure about that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I have I'm my doubts so sure too. I, I like his game, and it seems like he he he, you know, he's, but he can't stay healthy. He can't. He can't. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's we'll see idea. what happens there with Detroit. Any last thoughts, Jamie, on Detroit and the Pistons? I mean, Kate Cunningham mm-hmm. is the future for that team. Killian Hayes. You know, there's still questions about him as there was so much promise coming out last year, but now he seems like a. a potentially the odd man out when it comes to Detroit. They do have Jeremy Grant, like you said, uh, mm-hmm. who may be an uh, individual who wants to stay there because he wants to be that 20-point-a-game score. But as Cade progresses, there may be the thought that he might be moved at some point. Uh, they do have Kelly Olenek, who will be shooting up three-pointers and probably will be traded at some point as well. But your thoughts on Detroit? I mean, this is a team in search of a starting center. Uh, I'd Kelly Olenek is fine, but they need somebody that for all these great guards they have to run, you know, to, to be able to clean up their misses, help them out on the back line on defense, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I would not move Jeremy Grant there. I think that they can grow together. I think Jeremy Grant is a, is a guy that you can, you know, he's going to be, you know, he won't be like Devin Booker or, you know, he's not that kind of on that kind of rise trajectory, but he's a solid 
solid scoring forward. And, you know, he doesn't necessarily need to have the ball in his hands all the time uh, to be that. So I think, you know, this team just needs to find uh, the starting center for them in the future and they don't have it right now. Um, And so that's what this team needs more than anything else. And some stability, you know, so many of these teams that we're talking about who are not on the, you know, on the rise are teams that just like every season seem to like throw a bunch of pasta at the wall and see what tries to stick. And that's never been a way there's never been a path to success in the NBA. It's more of a path to success in baseball where you can like throw a bunch of guys together and they all get like tough in the locker room and get like, you know, pissed off at the opposing pitcher. And some guy who hit five home runs last season hits 30 this year. And you know, some guy who can't play defense suddenly starts, you know, catching everything that comes a pitcher that was like five year already goes down to two things of that nature. But in the NBA, you kind of get who you get. There's not a lot of like, late season growth stories, white career goats, rather right career growth stories that come out of the NBA, not zero, but not a ton. So this is a team. And again, I don't know what the identity of this team is Um, pretty young with some old, you know, with some old players on it, but they're not the kind of old players that you look at and say like, Oh, that's a solid building block. So not sure where that I don't see them as a playoff team is my basic premise. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. One team that could surprise a lot of people is in the Eastern Conference, and that is Chicago and the Bulls, and the team that definitely has uh, got the offense, that's for sure. So I'll start off with you, Jamie, as we get Magic Man back here as well, Mr. Sean Grice. Jamie, Chicago Bulls, I want to ask you this in regards to them. This is a team, <laughs> Alex Caruso, the GOAT aside, oh, they're no. going to have a hard time on the defensive end, but... Scoring points will not be a problem. Yeah, the goat that got away. <laughs> Tell me about it. Oh, I can go on and on. We could no, do a whole podcast not. about it. Let's start yeah, exactly. one. Now. It'll be Lakers or we're we're, we're what we're like almost an hour and a half in. Let's go an hour and a half on Alex Crusoe and <laughs> yeah. go. No, I, I agree. I uh this is a team that is not designed to play defense yet. Um, you know, Caruso is a solid on ball defender, you know, d- decent help defender. Uh, but after that, you know. Yep. Not a lot. <laughs> DeMar DeRozan? Nope. Zach Levine? Nope. N- nobody that jumps out at me. I mean, I, okay, so let's say you, Kursovich, no. can you play can you play Lonzo Ball and Caruso at the same time in the backcourt with DeMar DeRozan at the four? Because that puts because that means Zach Levine's at the three, right? Like who's the who closes games for this team? Yeah. Um what does this closing lineup look like? Uh they've got like six or seven guys that could apply for that job. And it's going to be an interesting plot to see who, who wins the audition, who, you know, who gets, who gets a role in this, in the closing lineup. You know, if Lonzo ball continues to show improvement, like he did towards the end in, in new Orleans, this team could be a big of a surprise to a lot of, and they would defend better at that point than you might expect, because that means that Lonzo balls playing, 
a lot of minutes in crunch time, executing well on both ends of the court. That means that one of Caruso, Levine, and uh, DeRozan has established themselves as a, as a decent defender. Uh, or that, which basically means can Caruso score more than one of those two guys, which isn't going to happen. So I don't see Caruso as being the, uh, the crunch time guy and, or unless they go really small, they're going to have to, because they're going to have to. Yeah. You, you, here's what happens with them, right? What are you doing with Patrick Williams? You drafted (laughs) him fourth overall 20 in 2020. Right. Brought in Lonzo ball. Right. DeMar DeRozan. So, and you right. brought in DeMar DeRozan. So, right. like, what are you doing here? Like, right. This is what I'm trying to... Uh, Gerald, do you understand this? Yeah. No. I mean, it, it's a process where you have the capability. You wanted to make a, bit, a lot of big, splashy moves, and yeah. they did. The problem right. is now that are all these splashy moves going to work? Right. I mean, Sean, all the, you, right. I mean, Jamie, do you see this as a playoff team? I do think they are a playoff team, but... How far up the playoff tree, I think, is another question. Seven, eight playing at seven, eight at best, more likely playing is is my pick. But uh, it's the East. So a lot can change in the East based on an injury or two. Right. Like or who gets traded West. Right. Like, let's (laughs) because that's the East had like was a joke for a long time. And then they kind of built up a stockpile of talent and we're like, oh, now it's kind of comparable. But as soon as like somebody gets disgruntled, it feels like it's like there's an agreement amongst Eastern conference executives, whoever that's good, we'll trade them out West so that now we have another like crap team that we can like, just like walk all over out here. Like it's incredible to me how many great players get traded out West for like kind of shoddy returns in the East. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know where this team is going. Uh, you know, they've also got Troy, they've got a bunch of young guard forward type guys and there's, but then they brought in DeRozan. So it's like, it's like, are we win now? Are we developing? Are we developing a win now? I, 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 they're kind of like caught between stages. You know, there's, yeah. they're not, they don't look like a win now team to me, but they're not really acting like a developing team. So it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting roster. Uh, it's, it's, they're, 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 they're in the East, so there's a position where, where they can't trade Zach Levine. This is No, this it's is... built around Zach Levine, right? Like Zach Levine exactly, is the identity exactly. of the team. Exactly. He's pretty much their only real tradable asset that they could get value back in return. I mean DeRozan, them, but they DeRozan. can't trade him because they've put all these guys around him because he's never been in a winning situation in the NBA. He right. in Minnesota we all remember the look on his face when the Minnesota Timberwolves drafted him. It was a top three. It was, I'm not going to repeat what he said, but it was a top three <laughs> moment as far as draft faces, along with Charles Barkley. And, right. um, yeah, so I'm with Gerald. I think they are a playoff team, and I think depending on, on circumstances, they could get as high as six. I mean, like – to me, they're the number one confusing team in the NBA. They could win forty-five games, or they could, right. or they could lose fifty. Right, right. Because they might be the just... team. That may, they may, they might win the 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 championship of losses by like one point. Right, like we were in right. it for forty-eight. Right. Yeah, and and Chris Paul hit a ridiculous three as time expired. We were in it for forty-eight, and LeBron, you know, found AD open under the basket somehow. Why weren't we playing? To, you know what I mean? Like losses yeah, like that. They're, where you're they're... Like, oh. 
Yeah, they're going to win a lot of games, like 125-103, and then lose, right. like 117-114, because you can't get right. stops. Or, like, the threes don't fall, so they lose, like, 120-82, to 82, right? Like, because exactly. they they're yeah. going to take, like, 43s a game, so... Yeah, that's an but, interesting team to me, too. But Chicago did send a message out there that they're getting serious about trying to compete in the Eastern Conference. Another team that is thinking about really getting serious in the Eastern Conference is in New York with the New York Knicks. They made some additions on top of a already successful regular season. Unfortunately, it fizzled out in the first round of the NBA playoffs against Atlanta, but they added Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker to their already very heavy backcourt rotation, which I thought was pretty good to start off with. But Sean, I want to hear your thoughts on the Knicks. Do you think you're going to get another great season out of Julius Randle that will propel them to another playoff slot? I think they will see the playoffs. I just don't know how far. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Gerald. I, I have them as the, the sixth seed in the East. I think they're they're a solid six. Even even with a couple of injuries here and there, I think they play the kind of defense where they're going to be competitive in you know, 90, 95% of their games. I like their backcourt a lot. I I really like IQ. I I'm not sure what his what his ceiling is, but I think he he's really I think a special weapon for them. I'm not a fan of the Fournier move. I've never been like Evan Fournier is a great FIBA player. Like when with the rules different, Evan Fournier <laughs> could win MVP. If if right. it was FIBA rules, he's he's a great shot. He can create space. He's got a pretty decent off ball game, but in the NBA where it's close quarters, it, it's just it's different atmosphere. Um, I like the Kemba Walker move, but again, I think with Tibbs as your coach, uh, Kemba is more of a specialist. I think he'll be in in you know a closing lineup when you need a bucket. And and he's a bucket getter, so I think he's going to play more of his role. He, they're going to try and facilitate as much as they can a role for him the way he had at UConn, where maybe maybe him and Derrick Rose figure out who's better off the ball, which obviously would be Kemba, and you try and figure out the machinations with Julius Randle with those three. That's what I see the Knicks being. All right, we're going to go rapid fire on the last couple teams that, that are left. Once again, it's the Lakers fast break along with my good friends, Mr. Jamie Sweet and Sean Grice, a.k.a. the Magic Man. Check out what they're doing at Lakerholics.com. Boston, the Celtics, I think you see a lot of on the defensive end. I just think manufacturing points outside of Brown and Tatum is going to be an issue. Jamie, do you think that as well? I hate Boston. <laughs> Well, okay, there you go. Sean, <laughs> that's his thoughts. Uh, that's Sean, it. That's all I got. No, I mean, they'll make the playoffs. They're fine. Whatever. All right, I, Sean, I just yeah. think defensively they're going to be very good. Offensively is going to be very challenging. You're 100% right, Gerald. I, I think defensively they're going to find uh, a nice mix, especially adding Josh Richardson. I think uh, Rich- Oh, we might have lost Sean. I, I'll, 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 I'll throw some, I'll throw some, I'll, 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 I'll begrudgingly say, you know, after Dennis Schroeder lost the bag and fumbled the bag away, uh, he's a Celtic now, which to me kind of actually is perfect because now there's a bunch of guys who I'm like, yeah, whatever on the, on the same team. Um, 
I, you know, I think they're, they're probably like a six. They're, they're probably in about the same boat as New York, right? Whereas New York is going to defend and maybe to have be a point challenged team. Uh, Boston will score, but be a defense challenge team. I feel like um, just because Tatum and Brown are that good. I think that, I mean, after that, it might be hard for them to generate some points, but I think Jabari Parker and Schroeder and Horford is, are, are they're going to generate enough points. And I, I kind of have that penciled in as my closing lineup for them. I guess I they're going to be a playoff team. I just don't see them as a high playoff seed. Here. No, I see them as again, like around New York, six, seven, eight, you know, somewhere in there. Um, I will say, I think that, you know, you, everybody expected more out of New York last season and then they really fizzled out in the playoffs. I have I'm with you. I think it's a confusing, they brought in more guards, which I thought they actually needed more wings. Um, but great wings are a, a, a commodity in the NBA that get snapped up pretty quickly. And, you know, it, I wonder if the Kemba Walker, Derek Rose pairing is a kind of more of a, like, we hope one of you gets to the end of the season pretty healthy because we know you both can, you know, orchestrate an offense and that's all we need. But yeah, I got Boston slated in as a, as like a six, seven, eight kind of range. Miami, the heat, they made some acquisitions, including getting Kyle Lowry. They're looking to go ahead and be more competitive than what they were last season, which was an early first round exit sweep. In fact, they got swept after such a promising bubble with the finals performance there. Your thoughts on their big three with Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, and now Kyle Lowry. I pretty much loved everything that Miami did in the offseason. I think that they are going to challenge for the one seed in the Eastern Conference. I think they're going to be there all season long because they have the defense. They have a, their core guys have all been to the NBA Finals uh, and are hungry to go back. They were ravaged by injuries and COVID last season, so you can't look at last season. Same as why you can't like look at last season for a lot of the Lakers and be like, well, you know, that's what we should expect this season. Oladipo is going to have, I mean, I, I've never been a big fan of throwing a lot of money at Oladipo to bring him to the Lakers, but I am a fan of, you know, the kind of contract that he got from Miami, which is kind of a, well, let's see what you can prove and, and do for us. They got, they got, uh, they got Markeith Morris on the team. Now they got PJ Tucker on the team. Now um, they still have Duncan Robinson, Tyler hero, you know, all those guys who, you know, show that they can perform at a high level in, in the playoffs and it's a team that has an identity, you know, they, they really have a cohesive identity and it starts with Spo and it's, and it Butler echoes it. And that's what you need. You need your coach and your best player to be on the same page. And they are unlike Philly, unlike, at, at, I mean, I guess we'll see in Boston. That's a, it's a rookie coach, but like, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of teams that don't have an identity as solid and strong as the heat do. And so I, I have, I have them and the addition of Kyle Lowry is just exactly what they needed. That was the kind of player that, you know, cause Jimmy's not necessarily a 20 point per game scorer, but he can get Kyle Lowry shots all game long. And that's what I expect to have happen. So um, I, I kind of have them, you know, I, I look at them as a one, two or three seed in the, in the East. Last but certainly not least, and the team that many expect to go all the way, even surpassing the Lakers in the NBA Finals, is the Brooklyn Nets. We all know about the drama with Kyrie and all that, so it's very iffy if he'll play at any time during the course of the season. But they still have two of the big three there, and that's something that you cannot deny that they've got a pretty good rounded team. They've got a lot of former All-Stars, just like the Lakers do. 
You've got a great addition, I think, in Patty Mills. You still mm-hmm. have Joe Harris, who hopefully will mm-hmm. provide better clutch shooting than he did in the previous playoffs. But you do have KD, and you do have James Harden. And James Harden looks to be motivated coming into this season, unlike last. Mm-hmm. And he looks to be a lot healthier than yep. looks like last. So I think that you cannot deny the fact that they still look like one of the NBA finals favorites, if not one of the championship favorites. And they're still the money line betting team here in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, I'm, I am one of those who is a Brooklyn Nets doubter. I do see them as a top one, two, three seed in the East. I think that their issues are not going to come from scoring the ball, but on the defensive end where I think both Milwaukee and Miami are better. I, you know, I, I think Brooklyn would do itself such a huge favor if they just traded Kyrie Irving as soon as humanly possible and just cut bait and run, you know, it's, if they were to be able to trade him for some solid, like Buddy Heald, right? Like trade Kyrie to Sacramento, like get Buddy Heald and and a couple other like complimentary pieces that are just going to give you like a great core of players to surround KD and Harden with, because Let's be honest. I do think KD and Harden are enough with like a solid core of guys around them to go to go all the way. Durant is one of the best scores the NBA has ever seen. The most pure, silky smooth scores at height that the NBA has ever seen. And Harden is a is a wizard uh, all over the court. Uh, I'm curious this season to see how some of the new rules affect James Harden's game. But I also think that he's just playing good enough to adapt and and then figure out another way to to make it happen, whether it's by the pass, whether it's, you know, by coming up with a different shot uh, or, you know, just off ball kind of stuff. He's he's a he's a savvy, savvy basketball player when engaged and motivated. And that was my big knock against them last year was that, you know, Harden couldn't stay on the floor. Katie was coming back from the Achilles. We don't know what he's going to look like. And Kyrie is a space cadet and Kyrie's still a space cadet. But KD looked great coming back from the Achilles, and Harden looks like he didn't spend his uh, offseason working out of the club. Um, so it's I think they're going to be better than they were last season. A lot of it, I think, comes down to the health of those two, but also the health of whoever is going to be the other, you know, 10-ish guys that play around them. Can Joe Harris, you know, kind of replicate what he did last season? I agree with you. I thought Patty Mills was a great pickup. I thought not paying Spencer Dinwiddie was kind of a mistake based on their cap situation. I thought that like, I don't I have a hard time seeing them bringing cause like he would have been great insurance insurance right now against this Kyrie Irving saga. Right. You could then argue that they still have a big three, you know, it is what it is. I think they did a good pivot by bringing in guys like, uh, and LaMarcus Aldridge, if, if he can show that he's got anything uh, left in, in his, in his game, then that's a kind of a really great uh, stealth pickup for them at the vet minimum, because you know, he can hit from anywhere. He's he's a he's a threat out to the three point line, bigger than Griffin, uh, a better defender than Griffin, uh, when healthy. Uh, I just don't know. You know, we haven't seen him in a, in about a year or so, so I don't know what he's got left uh, in the tank in terms of his in terms of his NBA game. Uh, he should be healthy. He's had time to rehab any any linger, lingering nagging injuries he may have had at the end of his last uh, stint as a player. Uh, so that's sort of the big question for me is what, what kind of defense can this team come up with, with all these name stars who none of them are lockdown defenders. And Steve Nash was never like a defensive minded guy as a player and hasn't really shown that as a coach. So what does this team defense look like 
uh, again, regular season, you know, I, I think the Nets and the Lakers are kind of in the same category in the regular season. Like, I think they're going to get, you know, 55, 60 wins. I, I, it would be hard for them not to based on this, the sheer number talent that they have on that roster, but come the playoffs, are they going to be able to stop Giannis? Are they going to be able to stop, you know, a Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, one, two punch with the threat of like hero and Duncan raining threes on the other, on the weak side, you know, I don't know that they have that in them on this roster. Well, there you have it. Those are our NBA team previews right there for you. We finished them all off. And with our mega size episode, we did it. want to thank Jamie Sweet and also a departing Sean Grice, who departed because of the battery on his phone. But I knew. As soon as he switched to the phone, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be about five yeah, minutes. It, it, that's why you have a charger. Magic man, charger. They work. But before we head on out, my friend, Sometimes. Go give a quick update of what you're doing at your five things articles at Lakerholics.com. I had tried, I had meant to drop a five things season preview a couple of days ago, but this week kind of got away from me and uh, I was, I'm still working on it. So that's going to drop before the first game of the season for the Lakers on Tuesday. Uh, hopefully it'll be done tomorrow, but it might be done Tuesday. Um, 6.55 PM on Tuesday. So I've got uh, roughly 60 hours. Uh... <laughs> we'll see what happens there, though. I'm sure it'll be something definitely worthwhile, but you can check it out at LakerHollies.com. Don't forget all the great Laker Tom articles that are get there, all the stuff that Magic Man writes, and look forward to seeing all the stuff that he has to offer. But please, if you want to be part of the conversation on the Lakers basketball team and everything Lakers, go ahead and check it out today lakerholics.com well jamie cannot thank you enough for being on this mega sized episode looking forward to many conversations with you gotta still do late nights i know we gotta do and raise that late night lakers fast break podcast can't can't wait to do those with you any last thoughts on the way out you know i think it's going to be a really interesting nba season i think some of the teams that were like on the bubble of making the playoffs are poised to take a step forward and some of the teams that like you know surprised people by making the playoffs last time have to prove that it wasn't a fluke and that they're not going to have a little bit of a regression. Uh, there's always a little bit of ebb and flow in the NBA season when it comes to those sort of things. So everybody, it's so funny every year that not one of these major market teams went to the NBA finals. You almost forget who won the NBA championship the year before. Like nobody's talking about the Milwaukee bucks, right? Like zero people. Like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the bucks. Like, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to see, can the bucks replicate, the season i mean they've been regular season juggernauts for a few seasons now and last season they were able to push through and, and win an nba championship so can they show that level of of can they bring that same fire and energy uh, uh, and try to repeat nobody has them picked to repeat I, I i don't have them picked to repeat i have I, I i'm hopeful the lakers will win but if it's lakers bucks that'll be epic because that's that's that could be interesting but yeah those are the sort of things going on and and Will Luke Walton stay the coach of the Sacramento Kings for the entire season? Uh, that's my other uh, hot button topic because I was surprised that he, they picked up his final year. He didn't get an extension. He's a lame duck. Uh, so he's got to show something and you know, who is going to trade for Carl Anthony towns and buddy healed. Those are, those are, those are my three. Uh, <laughs> those are my three. What's going to happen before uh, March when the trading deadline comes uh, NBA uh, Nostradamus questions. 
A lot of interesting questions indeed, and we'll be sure to go ahead and pass it along each and every episode right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Don't forget, on Tuesday, we are presenting our NBA season preview. The thing that I went over as far as in detail on the NBA season, our predictions on the Eastern and Western Conference and the NBA Finals with Mr. Rafael Barlow from the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Although if you're watching this on video, you can actually check it out at YouTube at the Lakers Fast Break channel or on Facebook. But if you're listening to this tomorrow, I've got a mega-sized NBA season preview with Rafael. And thank you so much for listening to this mega, mega, mega-sized team previews with Jamie and also Sean. Cannot thank you guys enough, but we will be back, of course, tomorrow for a season preview and, of course, on post-game for the Lakers' first game that's coming up against the Warriors. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, we'll see you guys and hear you guys very soon when we come back to you this week as the start of the season is just around the corner right here at the Lakers' 